Please turn with me to our text this morning, which comes from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6, and we will be looking at verses 30 to 44. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. Brothers and sisters, and hear with me the reading of God's Word. The apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and talked. And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave to them the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Thus far as the reading of God's word. Well, this week's reading, in conjunction with last week, really describes for us, I think, a a tale of two dining experiences, or a a tale of, of two feasts, we might say. Last week, we read of Herod's birthday feast, where there was debauchery, drunkenness, and murder. This was a, a feast of self-indulgence, right? Herod indulged his pride by surrounding himself with only the most prominent of characters. Right? Herodias indulged her insatiable need to see John the Baptist dead by asking for his head to be beheaded and put upon a platter. Right? All of Herod's guests indulged their lustful eyes in looking upon Herodias' daughter as she danced seductively before them. This was a, a feast of sin and death. Now the feast we read about today, which Jesus is the host of, and not Herod, is much different. This is a feast that has come about by compassion. It is a feast where they are spiritually fed by God's Word. This is a a feast in which they are physically fed and all of their physical needs are met. This wasn't a feast like Herod's where the host engaged in self-indulgence. This was a feast which started about through self-sacrifice. And what do I mean by this? 
Well, initially we see in verse 30 that the disciples return to tell Jesus about all that has occurred as they return from being sent out two by two. And Jesus then says in verse 31, well, let us go out to a desolate place and rest a while. We see that even Jesus isn't opposed to rest after a long journey and a mission completed. But we're told that people just keep coming and going. They don't even have time to relax. And so Jesus says, let's hop on this boat and let's go away to a desolate place. But what happens? The people won't let them relax, will they? In fact, we're told that they recognize Jesus and they come out from all these different towns and they follow Him out there. And yet when Jesus sees this, how does He respond? Does He respond with anger and frustration? Does He say to them, just leave us alone for a little bit? We are so hungry. Allow us to eat. Allow us to nap and get a little sleep. No, He does not say that at all. In fact, Jesus, seeing the needs of these sheep, selflessly cast aside His own needs and the needs of the apostles, demonstrating the sacrificial character of Christ's love. And He demonstrates this love not to a group of the most prominent people, but to common people. Common men, women, and children. Instead of a feast where sin and death reigned, This was a feast where holiness and life were present. Instead of seductive dancing before the eyes of men to behold, to feed and gratify their flesh, this was a feast where the Word was proclaimed for the ears to hear and for the soul to be fed. These were two very different feasts which served very different purposes. And as I read this, and as I thought about it, and as I looked upon this, and what was taking place in these two feasts, I couldn't help but think that every Lord's Day, these two feasts continue to take place. Every Lord's Day, these two feasts continue to take place. You partake of Herod's feast or Christ's feast. Right? There is a feast like Herod's that goes on every Sunday where millions, perhaps billions of people wake up Intent on self-indulgence. They rise with sport and shopping and drinking and laziness and all other forms of sin upon their mind. Intent on doing. It is a day they see as an opportunity to gratify the desires of their flesh. And then every Sunday there is a feast that takes place in the gathering of God's people together where we come before Him to offer a sacrifice of praise. This is a feast where we gather where we are not intent on self-indulgence, but rather we are intent upon service. To worship the name of our Lord. To tell of His wondrous deeds. To sing of His glorious praises as this day was intended for. A day not to feed the flesh, but to feed our spirit. A day not to feed the eyes of the flesh, but the eyes of the soul. A day which we do not take and use to remind ourselves of why we were spiritually dead. But this is a day to remind ourselves why we are spiritually alive. But sadly though, given the choice to dine with either Christ or Satan, to dine with either life or death, many choose the latter. Self-indulgence is more satisfying to the flesh But unfortunately, it leaves the soul empty, doesn't it? It leaves the soul empty. 
if they would only turn to Christ. For as we see today, no one who comes to Christ walks away empty. Like a shepherd, the good shepherd loves his sheep. He cares for his sheep. He tends to their needs. And it's the sheep and shepherd relationship that we want to tease out then more this morning. And so we're going to do so under three points. And the first point is this. The shepherdless sheep. The shepherdless sheep. Point two is Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd. And point three is come to the shepherd and be fed. Come to the shepherd and be fed. So let's get into point one then, which is the shepherdless sheep. Now, through the introduction, we briefly went through the first four verses. So now we, it brings us to verse 34 where Jesus approaches the shore and he sees these throngs of people. And this is what we read in verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now let's take a moment to think about what it is to be a sheep without a shepherd. So first, we have to understand that sheep are flock animals. They're flock animals and they have this natural inclination to follow. Okay, so they are a dependent animal. And so if they do not have a shepherd, their tendency then is to wander off. And if they wander off, guess what happens? They become prey. Right? Shepherdless sheep then are also at the mercy of the elements. Perhaps they might lack food and they might lack water as well. Now that we understand this, how does this then apply to the crowd which Jesus himself says appear to be sheep without a shepherd? Well, first, as Jesus approaches the shore on this boat, you can be sure that as he sees this great crowd of people walking together, that it looks almost as if it is a flock of sheep upon the green pastures. Secondly, though, What Jesus is saying in that they are like shepherdless sheep is that they had no one to lead or to direct them. Especially spiritually. These people were spiritually blind. They were wandering the land aimlessly looking for someone to lead them. They desperately needed someone to follow after. But they did not have it. And that is because those who were the spiritual authority at that time, those who were to be leading them at this time, failed to do that very thing. The Pharisees failed to be leaders of the people because they were incapable of feeding the sheep. They were incapable of providing for the sheep because they could not introduce the sheep to the one whom they needed because they themselves did not know Jesus Christ. They themselves were not believers. They themselves refused to believe in Christ whom the Father had sent into the world. And so it was a case of the blind leading the blind. They couldn't provide for the people what they needed. The people needed to hear the Gospel. But the Pharisees themselves likewise needed the Gospel. But this is something though that we see throughout history. Those who are supposed to lead Those who God puts in positions of authority over His people, failing to lead them. And so I'd ask that you turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, where we will look at one example of this. Turn with me, please, to the book of Ezekiel. 
and turn to chapter 34, and we'll begin looking at verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 34, and starting in verse 1, because as we'll see, the shepherd sheep imagery is all throughout Scripture, and those who were supposed to lead the Old Testament Israelites failed to do so. So here's what we read, in, starting in verse 1. The, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves? Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones. But you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. Here Ezekiel is talking about kings and rulers of Israel who should have been ruling according to the law of God. But instead they allowed the people to go astray. Right? They didn't love God's people. They simply looked out for themselves and their own best interests. And there are many figures, unfortunately, throughout all of Scripture that we can point to who are a great summarization of what Jesus or of what Ezekiel is talking about here. I'll give you one for example. We can take Ahaz, who was the son of David. In Second Chronicles chapter twenty eight, verses one through four, we're told this Ahaz was twenty years old when he began to reign. And he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the Baals. He made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his sons as an offering according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed. And he made offerings in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. You see, the problem is, instead of cleansing the defiled temple, instead of calling the people to worship the true God, instead of protecting them from snares, instead of bringing them before the face of God, instead of teaching them the statutes of the Lord and helping them to walk in His ways, they led the sheep astray. They fed themselves. They allowed God's people to starve and to wander and to become prey. And sadly, I think history repeats itself today. History repeats itself today. Have we not learned how many people today step up in the pulpits and do the exact same thing that these Old Testament rulers did or that the Pharisees did? And just like these Old Testament rulers and the Pharisees were judged by Almighty God for it, so too will the ministers today who do the very same thing. There will come a day when they stand before the judge over all the earth, Almighty God, and must give an account for everything that they have done to His flock, to His sheep, as they refuse to feed God's people with His Word and instead give the people their own Word, 
how, how to be a better you, or here are some self-help principles. Right? And with not giving the people God's Word, what do they do? They leave the people to starve and to fend for themselves and to become prey. All they care about is fattening up themselves, their own pockets, their own name. Exalting themselves before the people on Sunday mornings instead of exalting Christ before the people. And all they do is teach people to walk after their own ungodly ways. But this is why we have to understand that as Jesus approaches and He sees the starving sheep, He sees these wandering sheep who are walking around aimlessly with no shepherd, He doesn't look upon them angrily. Rather, He looks upon them with compassion. He looks upon them with compassion. These people have been failed by those who were supposed to be their shepherds. And instead of providing for them what they needed, they were starved and abused. But now in Christ Jesus, we see the promises of God fulfilled. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 22, we read this. The Lord says through the prophet Ezekiel, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey. And this leads us then into our second point this morning, which is Jesus the Good Shepherd. Jesus the Good Shepherd. In the very next verse, in Ezekiel 34, verse 23, it goes on to say this, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. You see, the Lord gives the lost sheep a promise of hope. And that promise of hope, brothers and sisters, is realized in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? What Ezekiel is talking about here is not David. Because David is already dead at this time. They're not talking about resurrecting David once more. He's talking about one like David. A descendant of David. But one who will come and serve the Lord faithfully like David did. But he will do so to perfection. And He will bring about all that is promised by the Lord. In fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus Himself identifies as this shepherd, being the one sent by the Father with the purpose of seeking out the sheep, rescuing the sheep, and gathering the sheep unto Himself. Ezekiel once more in chapter 34, verse 15 and 16, we read this, I Myself will be the shepherd of My sheep, And I Myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. And our Lord does this through Jesus Christ. Why are we told Jesus comes into the world? To seek and to save. right? To seek and to save. This is how Jesus is the shepherd for the shepherdless. He has come to do what all the other shepherds failed to do. And He can do it because He loves the sheep like no shepherd ever could. And how does He bring them back to Himself? How does He heal up the injured? How does He strengthen the weak? Well, it is through His Word. It is through His Word that the Lord feeds His people and protects His people and strengthens His people. And what is it that we read in our text today that Jesus is doing immediately in verse 34? He began to teach them many things. His compassion for them, for their shepherdlessness, caused a response from Jesus. He sees that the shepherds didn't care for them. So Jesus says, I will. 
I mean, think about it. Take this example. If you've seen a, a starving, abused, malnourished animal that was walking on your front porch, you noticed it must be an animal that was mistreated by its owner. Would we not stop and help? Right? So Jesus sees these sheep who have been starved of His Word and He gives to them exactly what they need. Because it is only through the Word of God that these people will ever discover their shepherd because discovering their shepherd will only come through hearing His voice. And this is no different today. The only way you will ever come to faith and belief in Christ is through hearing the Good Shepherd. Only then will you or can you come? And this is an important point for all of us, ministers and congregation alike. This is something we all must understand. In Luke chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus tells the apostles, The one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. The one who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. You see, brothers and sisters, primarily it is the responsibility of the minister to proclaim the Word of God. And when he proclaims the Word of God, he who hears it, hears the voice of Christ. Ministers are not salesmen. I think a lot of times that ministry has become just that, hasn't it? Let me sell you on how, why you should come to our church. Look at all the things we can provide for you. And they forsake the Word of God, the thing they ought to be focused on the thing that they've been charged with doing, being spokesmen for Christ. But I also want you to see this, that as ministers of the Word, it is not just words about Christ that we tell you, but it is the words of Christ that we give you. It is not just words about Christ. We give you the words of Christ. The one who hears you hears me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow. The Word of God is spirit and life and it is our duty as ministers right, to give to you Jesus and His voice to your hearts and to, to your souls, which is why it is so important for you to be here on Sunday morning and to hear and to receive with delight and joy and thanksgiving. This is why ministers are called under-shepherds. Right? We are under the Good Shepherd, the one true shepherd, to serve His flock to remind them not to hear our voice, but to remind them of their good shepherd's voice, who is Christ. That is who we are to be pointing everyone to. But still, this is something the apostles do not understand. For we are told in verse 35, And when it grew late, His disciples came to Him and said, This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But He answered them, You give them something to eat. This is the same thing that Jesus tells Peter in John's Gospel. Turn with me there, please, to John chapter 21. Beginning in verse 15. John 21, verse 15. We'll see here what Jesus says to Peter. In John 21, starting in verse 15, this is what we read. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Jesus' call to all stewards of the Gospel is this. Feed my sheep. And when you do, you demonstrate your love for Christ. Now I know I've been making a lot of application towards ministers, but I think this likewise can apply to everyone here today. Parents, you know, you have your children seven days a week. Ministers only get them for a very short time. You demonstrate your love for Christ when you feed His sheep. Grandparents, you demonstrate your love for Christ when you feed those grandchildren with the Word of God. Everyone here. Right? We demonstrate our love for Christ when we feed neighbor, friend, family member with the Word of God. This then leads us to our third and final point this morning, which is come to the shepherd and be fed. Come to the shepherd and be fed. Looking back then in verse 37, we read this, But He answered to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to Him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And He said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then He commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looks up to heaven, he said a blessing, broke the loaves, gave it to them, to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of fish and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. You see here, the, the apostles are kind of perturbed at what Jesus is saying when he says, you give them something to eat. Because they say, "What? Well, it's going to take 200 denarii to go out and buy bread to feed all these people. Now, one denarius is, was equivalent to one day's wage. So, 200 denarii, they need almost a, a year's worth of salary in order to feed all of these people. But what we see here, unfortunately, once again, that we've seen on multiple occasions with the apostles, is they don't understand what Jesus is saying. right? They, they neglect to trust in Him, to believe in His Word and His power. And so Jesus tells them, go collect what we have, and they bring back five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus commands all the people to sit down on the green grass. And what picture, what verse and chapter do you immediately do your minds go to? Psalm 23. You have the good shepherd telling the sheep to sit down upon the green pastures. And what do we read in Psalm 23? 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. And then what does Jesus do? He blesses the food looking up to heaven. He gives it to his disciples to then give to the people. And they were eat and we are told they were satisfied. Right here again, we see the miraculous works of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And even more miraculous than what we read. Because oftentimes the story is called the feeding of the 5,000, isn't it? But if we look in Matthew's account, the parallel account to this very same story, we are told that the 5,000 were just men. That wasn't including the women and the children. But here we see the compassion of the Lord. Right, knowing that these people don't have enough time to leave and to go out into the cities and to buy food. And so he lovingly provides for them not only food for their soul this day, but also food for their bodies. Right? Jesus has compassion on man, body and soul, because Jesus himself knew what it was to be man. And so he responds to man's needs with the tender heartedness of one who knows what it is to suffer at all points and yet to be without sin. Right? Jesus is reminded at this moment of his pain, his suffering, his hunger, and his thirsting. And this is what drives him to this deep compassion for these people. And that compassion of the Lord caused every single one to walk away filled that evening. They had extra food even, we are told. And it is the same feast, brothers and sisters, that Christ bids us all to come to this day. Forsake the feast of Herod and come dine with Christ. All are unworthy. All at one time here were shepherdless. But the good shepherd, as undeserving of his mercy as we are, invites us to come and to feed. This is a message for everyone here who is not yet trusted in Christ. Christ calls out to the multitudes, Come to me and whoever comes, I will not cast out. This is a message for the unregenerate children in the pews, for the unregenerate adults in the pews. This is a message for the atheist and the Jew and the Muslim and the Mormon and anyone else who's wandered off looking to be fed in another religion. Those gods cannot feed you. Only Christ can feed and can satisfy because those gods that you serve are nothing but vain idols forged in the minds of men that cannot speak to you. You cannot hear their voice. They do not act. They do not love you. And they cannot save you. Jesus, if you recall, says to the woman at the well, He who comes to me will never thirst again because the drink that Jesus gives is a drink of living water which springs out of the one who is life and that life is only found in Christ. All who come to Him will not walk away hungry but will be given plentiful. Right? Jesus gives liberally to all. And the food He gives to His people though is all the same. The spiritual food is all the same. And I think that this is is an important point to note. Every one of these people here had bread and fish. They all partook of the same meal. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, we partake of the same spiritual food. Right? There isn't an upper class meal and a lower class meal and one ethnicity meal and a a meal for another group of people. We We all partake of the same spiritual food. Right? We all come to Christ apart from any of our own merit, laying hold to the merits of Christ. And when we do, we can be sure that we will find comfort and protection and security in the rod and the staff of our Good Shepherd. He will make us to lie down 
in the evening and be able to rest our head securely and assuredly knowing that He has us. He will not let us go. He will not forsake us. He will protect us. He will not allow us to become prey. And yet that food that He provides, brothers and sisters, is food that needs to be eaten. It needs to be eaten. Don't let it sit on the plate and stare at it. His Word needs to be digested. It needs to be chewed upon. It needs to be applied. It needs to be thought about. And then we need to go back again for more. Realizing how good that Word is. Brothers and sisters, Christ is sufficient. If our story here today said that there was 500,000 men there that day, Christ would have fed them all. He would have fed them all. Don't allow the love and compassion of Christ to go unnoticed. Don't allow the grace of God to go before you and not lay hold of it. Know this, that the very same Christ who has come and fed these people and given them life, right, who has fed them with word and food, still lives today. So come unto Him and be fed. These people didn't have to do a thing. It was all already done. They didn't have to cook bread or bake fish. Christ had done it all. And the same is true for you and I. Forsake looking for our own righteousness. We don't have to be, be, become better uses before we can come to Christ. Christ has done it all. He has come. He has died. He has fulfilled the law. He has suffered the wrath. So that now through faith in Christ, we receive that imputed righteousness. And so, Christian, as we gather this Lord's Day to feast with Christ, I would say to all of you, open your mouths wide. Eat up and enjoy. Please bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Your Word. We are thankful for the Good Shepherd who has come and sought us out. He has made His voice known to us. He has gathered us up. He has healed our wounds. And He will protect us from prey until He returns again to gather His people unto Himself forever. Father, we pray that You would apply what it is that we learned today to our hearts and to our minds, that You would cause us to remember the many blessings we have in Christ. And so, Father, we come before You. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.